Hey, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 24. Uh, I'm having such a great day today. It's just nice weather outside. And I just did my last out-of-state gig this weekend for like at least a month, I think, which I'm just positively thrilled about. Looking forward to digging into some new exciting projects, which I will be able to announce at some point in hopefully the very near future. But today's episode is with really like, I think one of the very first, if not the first musician that I met when I moved to Utah. Um, I reached out to her and asked her to go out to lunch. And uh, I just feel like she's been someone that I've just totally looked up to and admired ever since. Um, honestly, I admired her before the lunch, which is why I reached out. Um, but you guys, today's guest is Becky Willard. Becky is a music producer, recording engineer, songwriter, and vocalist. She began working with artists over 25 years ago as a mentor, vocal coach, and songwriting coach. In 2010, Becky founded Vox Fox Studios and has become the go-to producer for many Utah artists, as well as artists from all over the world. As a singer-songwriter herself and a session vocalist, her songs and voice can be heard in dozens of TV shows and movies. And in this super male-dominated field, Becky is actively engaged in educating and inspiring young women in her community and worldwide to pr pursue music production and engineering. You guys, she's awesome. Here it comes. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Vocal Mist. Vocal Mist is an incredible tool for singers, actors, public speakers, teachers, team leaders, and anyone for whom vocal health is a daily necessity. The latest findings indicate that using a nebulizer with isotonic saline can actually help your vocal cords create sound with reduced pressure. Featuring a removable face mask and USB rechargeable lithium batteries, Vocal Mist is an accessible way of getting rid of dry mucus, alleviating allergies, and keeping your voice working easily at any time of day. Visit myvocalmist.com and use promo code ARTIFICE, that's all caps A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E, for $10 off your Vocal Mist bundle package today. Uh, it's funny, like, Andrew and Bear are both, like, such deep sleepers mm -hmm. and such loud sleepers, uh -huh. and I am, like, the lightest sleeper of all time, and I'll just be, like, laying awake and Bear's, like, snoring. <laughs> And then Andrew snoring, Bear will like sleep bark, Andrew talks in his sleep like all the time. And you're just lying there. I'm oh. like, you guys, <laughs> quiet, enough. Oh, that's so cute. It's too much sometimes. <laughs> and then I'm not using condenser mics, so you know the drill, right up on it. Hello. <laughs> I'm just checking out your your setup back there too. You got oh, the scarlet, the focus yeah. rate. My the scarlet, and I just got this Mac, um, 
MacBook Pro. I don't know. I'm so bad at using it. It are scares you, me. Are you using GarageBand? I'm using Logic. Logic. But uh, I'm very intimidated by the entire process. The technology. Yes. I don't f- respond like intuitively to software or like I think I have really poor like mechanical instincts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like in general. I also like can't read maps. Really? I feel like I'm good at a lot of things and that is not, those things are not. Yeah. Well, maps, I would agree. I am not. I'm, I love this age where we have an app that just tells us where to go. If I, if I was Yeah, like if I have on... to look at like an atlas, I'm like, excuse me. Do you want to like, I wonder if maybe you just, I like to put the boom like under the chair. That way I can sit totally sideways, but yeah. that's just, that's I'm just. I'm just trying to get. Let's see. Oh, yeah. I have lots of practice see. being comfy in this yeah, space. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. Oh, come on. There we go. Am I close enough? There you go. You know, I always like. I mean, it's probably just because like I'm I'm performing all the time, but like, I I want to like hit myself in the teeth with the mic like a few times per gig. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like have a little lipstick on it at the at the end of the night. <laughs> otherwise um, it's not legit yeah but i i always use my own mic if they're like can i just make an announcement i'm like on that mic <laughs> <laughs> my germs only on this mic because it's gross as it, soon as you see how people use mics you're like nasty totally and i had a friend this summer who got like this weird like mouth virus and she the doctor was like this is super contagious so like you would definitely have gotten it from like a person that you were like right up close to. Oh, no. And she was like very sure that she got it from like some one at the gig using the mic. Yeah. So oh, that's gross. I know. And so, and then especially after that, I was like, no one uses my mic. Only me. <laughs> should we, should we do it? Yeah, should we get started? Sure. Okay. So like I said before, totally embrace tangents. We can talk about whatever you want. Um, If there's anything that's just been like on your mind, I want to talk about it. Um, But for the sake of like organization and just for my own kind of to help us get started, Mm -hmm. I like to just start from the beginning. It's the easiest. Yeah. As they say, the very best place to start. Right. As Maria says. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I I like, I'm interested in like, where creativity comes from, um, like maybe kind of what makes the difference between like a child that is, you know, is creative and then does not go into a creative field versus a child who does. So I like to just start by asking like, what kind of creative stuff were you doing as a little kid? So much. And I was thinking about that when I read the article you posted the other day. Um, I, was a very creative kid and not just with music. I created songs all day long. Yeah. Um, but I also created stories where I, I had a little tape recorder and that was my, Oh, awesome. I walked around with it and just created constantly with that tape recorder in my hands. Um, Yeah. This was back before home computers and the internet. (laughs) I mean, we didn't have like, 
I'm 31 and I also didn't grow up with the internet. Right. So that stuff is brand, it's brand it new. It is. It's and the really kids, new. teenagers these days, they, they just don't know, teenagers these days, that's what yeah. you say when you're old, but um, they just don't know what it was like before. And it's so new to us still. But I have some students who I think like have sincerely never listened to an album all the way through. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I think there's probably tons of teenagers who haven't, but this idea of like listening to the same, like when, when you have to go and buy a CD mm-hmm. or a tape or whatever, um, you can only afford one with your right. like allowance that you <laughs> saved up and you're going to listen to it like again and again uh-huh. and again. Yep. And like, there's such a dramatic, like just amount ocean of recordings just at people's fingertips these days Mm -hmm. people don't like study recordings no they don't and they don't really dive deep into a song like the meaning and the behind the scenes unless there's a youtube video to accompany it but i mean i spent being a a kid like nine years old lying on my couch with album covers and reading all the liner notes notes and and who played all the instruments I didn't know who they were it wasn't like you could google oh who's that you just like you just want to know more and that's all that you have exactly I remember like sometimes buying a cd that like didn't have the lyrics printed in the little booklet Mm -hmm. and being like (laughs) devastated like I cannot understand that sentence like just (laughs) thinking about it like what like just thinking for so many hours and like mm-hmm. honestly years, <laughs> like what is that line? Like I cannot make it out. Yep. And I mean, even just those small things, like even if you don't kind of realize that what you're doing is studying, you certainly, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure you think about that too as a teacher, like mm-hmm. how do you get your students to like go deeper? Yes. It's so hard. And on that note, that's one of the things that I have to do as a teacher that I feel sometimes I'm mean about is that just because you want to switch songs because you're bored doesn't mean that's what we're going to do. Yes. We are going to follow through with this song, even if you're bored of it, because you're not, you're not grasping things. You're not grasping emotion. You're not singing the correct timing and the correct rhythm. It's not just about Oh, I know the notes. I can yeah. sing it. Let's move on. Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started <laughs> Story about it. of our lives, right? Yes. And all, and also like, you know, okay. Okay, student. If you get famous, which is the thing that you that you say you want, uh-huh. you know you're going to have to perform the same things for mm-hmm. like 20 years. Yep. <laughs> like, yes. heaven forbid you should need to sing like this song for like three months in your lessons. <laughs> I'm always like, maybe le- learning how to tolerate, like finding kind of new things to be interested about yeah. in this song is also a skill you need. Yes. I was just talking to uh, an older, an adult who was burned out on his own songs and didn't want to perform them necessarily. And I said, you know, Bon Jovi is still doing Living on a Prayer. Mm-hmm. They are still performing that song when they play live. Yeah. Because people expect that. That's, you know, one yeah. of their biggest songs. And so, you know, just buck up. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, explore some new creative, like mental stuff to mm-hmm. like keep you engaged. Oh man. Yeah. 
but I think that's such a thing. And that's part of the reason why I like to have these conversations because we, I think as a culture, look at artists on this very kind of like surface way. And we're not thinking about like, like we think about the skill of like performing or we think about the skill of producing, you know, in this very kind of like logistical, like you're in the software kind of a way, maybe, um, or whatever it is. And we forget to think about like those behind the scenes skills Mm -hmm. of like, how do you not get bored? Mm -hmm. How do you maintain your interest? How do you maintain your creativity? Um, how do you kind of like think outside the box? How do you deal with like rejection? Mm -hmm. We never talk about those things and I want more of it. Yes. Okay, that was already a tangent so yeah. early. <laughs> well, we can we can keep going in that direction because I, I definitely have some thoughts about that. I, I think that's one of the hardest things of being a creative is being creative on cue. Like yeah. being a creative and being dependent on that for your living yeah. is you've got to, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you are going through a divorce yeah. or can't get out of bed in the morning because you are That's so depression. depressed or whatever. Yeah. You have to get out of bed and you have to make music. And mm-hmm. that there have definitely been times in my life when that was that was the hardest thing that I was yeah. you know, trying to overcome on a daily basis. Definitely. Was, Today I've got to put my smiley face on and work with this artist, either record yeah. or co-write and just make it happen. Yeah. I've talked about this with a lot of performing artists. It's something that's maybe like a little different for like a writer mm-hmm. or a visual artist. I mean, th- I think those people definitely still have to create on cue, but like not in front of people, Yes, which is maybe a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's been like peeving me lately, I've noticed this pattern where I see students where they'll, I'll, I'll give them like <clears throat> a list of like 15 songs that I'm like, pick your favorite of these and let's work on it. These are all songs that I think would help you kind of move forward. And they'll come back and be like, I didn't connect with any of these. (laughs) And I always just think like, oh, is it the song's job to like connect with you? Oh yeah. You know, like, and I just think like, and they're like great songs that I feel like I've been singing for like 20 years and still I'm like discovering new things. Uh And then I just think like, yeah, you're missing the point here. You know, but I feel like, again, that's just like, it's the same conversation of like the thing that makes, I just, I don't know. I wonder about it. Like the thing that makes you and me able to like keep doing this kind of thing for our careers. It's not the singing mm-hmm. and it's not like the songwriting. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. um, it's like a combination. It's like a combination of all these other kind of emotional skills yeah mental skills don't you think yes absolutely and and for me um I I'm such a creative person but I also have a brain that likes order yeah in the chaos and I think that's why I really gravitated towards the the production side and recording side I am not a I mean, I hate math and I'm not a smart person or anything <laughs> like that but that's the way true. that you can just manipulate sound and mold it to sound the way you want it to sound yeah it's like an extra layer of being creative like not only can I yeah sing the song but now I can make the vocal sound exactly how I want it to sound in my yeah. head and um yeah it's like 
using different parts of your brain Mm -hmm. to further the purpose of your creativity is so gratifying. Yes. Like if you're stuck on like the surface of like, like you said before, like just singing the notes, of course you're bored. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course you're bored. Yeah. Like you, there are so many different things that your brain can be focusing on. Mm -hmm. And I find too that like, you know, cause I, I also have depression and, you know, sometimes struggle with situational things where I think like I have no energy. And one thing that I've really discovered in the last, you know, maybe like kind of maybe since I've moved to Utah, since I finished school where I've really had more choices about what I'm actually spending my day doing. Um, I found that like one of the, one of the most kind of like effective daily creative practices I have is like based on like the emotional state that I'm in today, based on like the amount of energy that I have today, like what parts of my brain do I have access to Mm -hmm. and how can I accomplish like this task with that part of my brain? So sometimes my, you know, my performing or my teaching or my emailing, like whatever it is, might be like really emotionally driven. And some days it might be very like detached and super like analytical. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you have to do the thing. What are my resources today? Right. And how can I like accomplish this thing? And I, and I find that like, I discover like new and interesting ways of like accomplishing the same task by just having to like negotiate that necessity. Mm-hmm. find like a new way to like teach a concept or something. Hmm. Yeah. Thinking of things a different way. I, I have the fortunate advantage of working on a lot of different types of things. And there are times when today I just don't think I can come up with anything musical, mm-hmm. but my technical brain is fine. Yeah. And it actually the technical brain is always there. Yeah. If I just, am not emotionally in the mood to be creative, I can, okay, today I'm going to edit vocals because that doesn't require a whole lot of creativity. It's more, you know, listening and, and paying attention to detail. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Just like looking at your, looking at your to-do list and like, all right, with, with like the, with the Emily that, that is with me today, (laughs) (laughs) what can we do? (laughs) How can we be productive with like this set of of ingredients that we have. <laughs> so as a child, you were doing like you were writing, you said you had a cassette tape or yeah. a, a recorder. Uh-huh. So you were recording stories. I, I was carrying that around with me, making up songs, lots of songs, um, and making up stories, but the stories I made up, they were, of course, were just ridiculously silly, but what was so fun, what I was, the whole purpose of creating the stories was to create sound effects mm. with the stories. So it was like, you could listen to it and, you know, if, if a lot of times, believe it or not, there were these atrocious stories of like abuse. <laughs> I don't even know why I didn't grow up in an abusive home, but I think it's normal. I was just talking about this with someone else too. Like you, when you're a child and you're creative, but you're like your input, like what you have to work uh-huh. with is really like plain. <laughs> you, you just, I mean, it's the same reason why some kids are like obsessed with like dragons and fairies yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I guess I, it would I'm be. not. I feel like that's totally normal. Yeah. Your your brain needed more like interesting content. It's like somehow I thought it sounded really cool that I could create the il- illusion yeah. that there was 
someone was being beaten in the other room or like a mm. kid was being thrown you around. Were doing like Foley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I don't know why I didn't end up going in that career direction. I don't think I knew that it even existed. And yet yeah. I was doing it as a child. Yeah. So it was That's just so, so interesting. It's weird. Where do you think that came from? Like you just were interested in sounds. Yeah, that's, I know. That's, it, that's cool. It's so bizarre. And then um, later I... I don't know even how I got the idea or how I figured it out, but I started um, bouncing my voice back and forth on between two tape recorders. Mm-hmm. So you record yourself on one tape recorder and then play that and sing along with yourself cool. and record it on the other one. Yeah. And I would bounce that back and forth until I had layers, layers. of harmonies yeah. called multi-tracking. And yeah. again, no one I didn't know that that was technically how yeah. it was happening. And um, in the studios, but and anyway, I just did that for hours, and yeah. eventually I started creating songs just because I loved the layering and creating harmony yeah. so much. That was my like it's driven by like the sound. Yes, right. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question. I'm not sure like exactly how to ask it because I'm uh-huh. still kind of like I'm just <laughs> thinking. So I mean, this skill and this like experimentation that you were doing, it depended on you having like two recorders. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think I just I I have a theory that like it's very very rare that there are like p- certain types of prodigies you know, or children who are like, oh, this child is very musical or this child is like so good at painting or, you know, whatever. And I think maybe more like there's a child that's curious and, um, and then based on like what resources they have, they kind of like, so I think my question is like, if you, do you think if you, if you didn't have those tools, like you didn't have recorders, you still would have been interested in sound, but doing like something else? Or do you think, maybe it could have gone like a totally different way. It It's so hard to say because you can actually kind of look at it the other way. I, I grew up in a house with, I have six siblings and almost all of them love music and yeah. became creators of music in some way. Um, but they all had access to two tape recorders mm, mm-hmm. and not one of them yeah. was interested in that. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah. why, why? I, I think that I would have found a way yeah. to <laughs> figure something out yeah. because I loved sound so early yeah. on. You would have that. Yeah. That's interesting. And I'm sure we would get a million different answers from a million different people. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking uh, this morning that I was having this memory of um, when I was really little, like two, three I had this Fisher Price like snare drum Mm -hmm. and it had the sticks like with ropes, you know, and it looks just like a, like a marching band snare drum. Um, and I, I asked my parents when I was like a little bit older, like who bought this for us? Cause I remembered having it and I'm the oldest and, um, I remembered having it like before my brother was around. So I thought like, did someone give this to me? Like, why do we have this? And my parents told me, like, you asked for it. Like, you were like, I want a drum, <laughs> which is so weird. And then, like, I didn't know that, and I and I didn't really think about it. But when I was, like, 13, I, was, I begged to take drum lessons. Like, I huh. wanted to play the drums. And I didn't connect, like, those two things until, like, my 20s. Wow. Um, and they said drums are for boys. 
which is probably <laughs> part of the reason why I was like, why did we have that little drum then? Oh, um, so I didn't learn how to play the drums, but, but then I think like I found the most percussive way to be a vocalist, yeah. which is jazz, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, you know, who knows where those interests come from, but we kind of just like tool around, right. you know, trying to find. And I think, and I think as kids, no matter what you have access to, um, you're going to have instincts in one direction or another. Mm-hmm. And that just reminds me of my husband, um, 30 years later in the game, he started playing the drums again. Mm. He played them back in high school. But when he was um, just a kid, his parents brought him to, you know, they had a, a music store would come in, bring in all these instruments for the kids to look at and pick what instrument they wanted to learn. And he was like the drums. Yeah. And of course, his parents were like, um, are you sure it's you don't too want loud them? And like, it's guitar? too expensive and giant. Yes. Yeah. And he was just in love with those drums yeah. before ever touching them. Yeah. And then, you know, he he gave it up as an adult and now he's getting back into it and he's like, oh, I feel this passion igniting yeah. in me. So it was there for him yeah. as, a, as a kid. So interesting. And he just never was able to develop it until now. So. Yeah. That inspired, do you hear Bear yeah, doing his sleep box? Nice, nice little... I wasn't lying when I said earlier he barks in his sleep. He's like, I live with these two very vocal sleeper boys, the two of them. I think he might have also tooted. Sorry. Oh, Bear. Bear. I was just admiring his sleeping position. That is interesting. He's like a yoga dog. He's very limber. I got totally distracted. Oh, I was going to say, my husband plays the drums too, and we have a drum set, like, it, you know... 30 feet away from where we are right now. And Uh I should probably just learn. (laughs) You should. And you said that someone said those are for boys. I think that is so funny that why, why, but why is that instrument so masculine? I don't understand because it's about groove. And I mean, I think, well, I mean, I don't think it's masculine, but I think maybe part of the reason people think that is like the, maybe the posture. I've heard women mm-hmm. talk about this exact subject before and like your legs are all far apart. You like can't oh, play yeah. the drums in a skirt. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's maybe like something about like how how like actually physically spread out your limbs are that seems not, not feminine ladylike. to people, <laughs> right? which is so stupid it's, and upsetting. And it's yeah. very loud. Mm-hmm. Blech. Everything we women are not supposed to be interested in. So <laughs> I know there's too many things. There's too many things exactly. that we're not supposed to like. It's exactly. very limiting, but I mean, it's the same for boys. Don't you think? I do. Yeah. That, that is one way in which it's probably pretty, it might be pretty equal, like uh-huh. which things girls are supposed to do and which right. things boys are supposed to like. Well, if, if boys, you know, show interest in the flute or dancing, yeah, you know, it's like even well, singing. I think sometimes mm-hmm. can trigger mm-hmm. some homophobia for people, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. Do you have thoughts? Um, do you have thoughts? Do you have kids? I have four stepchildren. You have stepkids, um, but they were not little when you. No, they were teenagers when I married their dad. Do you have thoughts like, I mean, I think maybe this is one way that we also have like a similar experience, which is like we work with a lot of kids, but Mm -hmm. I also don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Do you have like thoughts about, you know, how 
parents of children can like encourage creativity? Mm-hmm. Like, is that something you, I think about it a lot. I definitely do. Oh, I've, I've met extremes on, on both sides mm-hmm. of the spectrum. I guess, uh, you know, somewhere a parent is completely um, stifling to a child. You know, stop mm-hmm. singing. That's so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. I hate yeah. it when you sing. I mean, outright belligerently yeah. telling them to stop singing. And then others on the other side where, you know, there's really no, it's not happening. Someone's trying to sing or trying to play an instrument and it sounds horrible. And I'm not saying that that means they can't improve because yeah. of course they can, yeah. but the, to the parent, they're perfect. The child can do no wrong. And yeah. how dare you try to tell my kid mm-hmm. that they need to work harder mm-hmm. or practice, yes. you know, so you get the two extremes. Yeah. And I think it, it does require parents to be involved. Yeah. But not you're totally right (laughs) like you're totally right creative resilience lives in between those two things Mm -hmm. if you're never getting any validation and support it's very difficult to keep going I grew up in a home like that where my mom would actually say like stop singing Mm -hmm. I'm sick of hearing your voice like stop playing the piano um but I had teachers who were always like try again do it more um and also you know I had I had other I had singing at church and things like that. Um, but I, I definitely also see the the other thing you were talking about too. Um, and that also, like, if you're always getting validation, um, for the end result and -hmm. not validation for like how you're trying, how you're working on things, what you're, how you're progressing. Cause I think you can always have validation for that. Mm-hmm. Like you can always, your, your effort can always be validated. Um, but if you're always getting validation on the end result, children who grow up that way have no capacity to deal with rejection mm-hmm. or even like, cause there's like rejection of like, you sound bad, but there's also like the rejection, which I feel like we never talk about of like, this just isn't my preference. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I I grew up with a girl who like had an amazing voice. She was the lead in all of the things. Mm -hmm. She was the solo in all of the things. And she auditioned for like the young ambassadors at BYU um, for the listeners. It's their like music dance theater performing traveling group. And she didn't get in the first time, which like no one does. Mm -hmm. And she quit music. She like doesn't do music anymore. Wow. Cause that's how little resilience there was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you get told no and it wasn't even, I don't even think of that as a no. That's like a, not this year. Right. It's you know, not, not, we don't have the right opening or. Yeah. Or like we don't accept any freshmen. Like, yeah, we basically never accept freshmen. Like yes. we need to see how you handle like things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel like that is so devastating. I hate to see it happen. Yeah, it I hate it when people quit lessons because you like I as the teacher am trying to say like maybe we can consider like developing this other skill set or like you know it's mm-hmm. I just think like you're crippling this child. You're you're trying to hammer things out. Well, hammer's kind of a, a brutal word, but um really work the nuance of something and they get frustrated. What I've found 
really lately that I get from students is um, defensiveness. Yeah. So as I'm trying mm. to instruct them and coach them on, you know, let's try it more this direction, they will defend why they don't want to or why they shouldn't. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, I you've had that too. <laughs> it blows my mind. It's strange. I'm always like, really? And it, 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 by the end of a lesson where someone's always arguing with you, yeah. a, you know, a teenager, a 12 yeah. year old or 13 year old is arguing with you about every little instruction that you're giving them as to why they don't want to do it or why they shouldn't. Um, it's exhausting. And then yeah. I, I will burn out with that student. Totally. And I think that has a lot to do with how they are being raised. Mm-hmm. I, if their parent is either stifling them, yeah. I think they're more inclined to do that. Or if that's just the nature of the household they live in, where they just argue yeah. back and forth. Um, but a child that is willing to take instruction requires vulnerability yeah. and hu- humility yeah. that um, you know, isn't easy. That's a, yeah. a skill in that's and of itself. That's one of those skills. That's <laughs> yes, that's totally, that's what I mean. Like I notice these things and I watch, you know, the, the parent and the child or, or, or whatever, you know, having this reaction that I think like you're so missing it. Mm-hmm. Like the reason your daughter is not going to be a pop star isn't, it's not going to have to do with her voice. It's going to be this, mm-hmm. I mean, among things, you know, but like, <laughs> this is like a thing I'm positive cannot continue. Yeah. Like the singing, the riffing, like the dancing, like she can improve in all of that or he, but in my experience, this kind of a problem is always, it's always like a mother daughter thing. Interesting. <laughs> my experience. <laughs> I don't have these kinds of issues with my boy students, but um, I think maybe they take criticism in a different way. There's like a, I don't know. There's probably just like a different type of confidence that comes with that. Who knows? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think like this, this like inability to like take feedback Mm -hmm. is going to be, it's going to be devastating to your career. Yes. If you even ever can get to a place where you try to call it a career. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's just part of success in life too, is being willing to listen and you, you know, you filter out the stuff that you don't think is going to be useful and you take the stuff that could be useful and, and, yeah. you know, try to become better at whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. If it's, you know, your career that has nothing to do with the arts. Right. Yeah. It's just part of, you know, being human. Do you feel like you're good at taking like criticism or feedback? Um, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I've gotten better. Yeah. I've really gotten better, but, um, but I, it is hard and especially when it's, um, personal, personal, I think as a creative, especially as, um, I've gotten more into the, the production side of being a creative person, essentially I'm, I'm creating for other people, something that they have in their mind and helping them shape it to be what they want. Um, that, poses all kinds of interesting situations because sometimes what they want is not something I think is cool yeah. or beautiful or yeah. <laughs> artistic. Yeah. Um, and yet I still have to do it mm-hmm. because it's, it's their product. Yeah. And, um, so over the years I've, I've learned to kind of let go of my own creative desires. Yeah. 
and be more of a conduit for them and their creative desires, which mm. has required, yeah, stepping back. Yeah. Putting myself kind of more in the background. I can imagine that being very difficult. I, I don't, the closest thing I deal with to that is like, if I have a student who, um, I mean, well, I mean, I guess one way is like, if a bride requests something that I'm like, why would you want that? <laughs> that's one, that's one thing. But, <laughs> but if I have a student who wants to sing a, a style that I'm not interested in, that I'm not personally like moved by, I can say to that student, like, this sounds to me to be like in line with that style. And if they're like, is it good? I'm like, you know, that's so subjective. <laughs> like, it sounds like these other things to me. I think you're doing it in a way that's can have longevity. Mm-hmm. Am I going to buy it? Like, no, <laughs> but that's okay. You right. know, you can't please everyone. Yeah. You're not a taco. That's right? part of the, that's part of the skill set too, of like kind of realizing like everyone is not your audience. Mm-hmm. That, that, that one's still, I still have to remind myself that like, regularly. Mm-hmm. But I think you actually, your name is on the thing. Like my name's not on that the person. performance. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So I think that would feel, that would feel different and tricky. Yeah, it is. And I've had to negotiate that yeah. to, to the point where I think I still need to be proud of things that have, that my name is associated with. Yeah. Um, but I'm also at that stage where I think I can just say, hey, I'm probably not the right producer for yeah. you. And boy, that's hard too. Yeah. Because I love to have my hands on everything. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm kind of a control freak, which I think is why I started producing too, is because mm-hmm. I just really wanted to have ultimate control. Yeah. And if, so the more control I feel like I have to let go of, I guess, yeah. then I'm like, There's you know what, go find someone yeah. else. <laughs> There's a threshold where you're like, I'm going to hate this project. Right. Right. It's not worth it. Okay. So when you were a child, how did you get, how did you start to get kind of more serious? Like maybe what were you doing when you were more like in high school and then like transitioning into, you have a degree in music, uh-huh. right? Okay. In vocal performance. Yeah. So I'd love to know like, when does it start becoming something that you start kind of thinking like, or I don't know, what, what's the order of like how it crescendoed into you know, like starting college? It was so different for me because I think part of it was because of the time period I grew up in. Um, I graduated high school in 1989 and the only options in college as a singer who yeah. didn't play an instrument, I mean, I plunked a little on the piano. Um, the only options were vocal performance or music education Choral music ed yeah and my voice teacher I was a freshman in college told me well you're not good enough to be in performance so you may as well go into education yeah. oh, okay. and I probably wasn't I wasn't yeah. very I hadn't really had voice lessons until mm-hmm. I went to college yeah and um so I started teaching right away um as part of that curriculum and found that I loved mm-hmm. teaching mm-hmm. and that developed my ear a lot too. Yeah, believe it or not, and yes. you're playing scales all the time, and I learned keys. I and got way better at piano uh, when I started teaching. Yes, people ask me sometimes, like, "How did you learn this?" And I'm like, "Teaching." Yeah, I'm just accompanying. You're just like, my oh, students like, all let, day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I, um, over the years, coaching singers with different styles of songs, and um, you know, approaching it from different angles with different skill sets, you really learn to. Um, I don't know, you just learn about <laughs> vocals, to put yeah. it simply. Mm. And so 
um, eventually I started producing vocals with another producer. So he would produce all the music and I was producing, okay. helping um, the singer I mean, write how, their own how songs. How did you get started with that? Like even just in terms of like getting the equipment, like what, what's happening? Like, I, okay, so I think I'm curious. I want to I wanna go back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you were still in high school and you were trying to decide what to major in, what was going on in your mind as you were making that choice? I mean, I know, I know you said you kind of picked vocal performances like the lesser of two evils or I picked education, education. first. Yeah. Okay. But before that, when you were mm-hmm. kind of choosing between like maybe music and not music, there was nothing was, else. Okay. I, I, I wasn't good at anything else to be honest. I really, I struggled in all of the school subjects. Mostly it wasn't because I was sm- not smart enough. I think it was more, I just didn't like it. Yeah. It was boring. Science weren't motivated. was a little boring. Math was very, very hard for me. Um, yeah, all the subjects were just a little either boring yeah. or hard. And music was really the only option for me because it was you, the only thing I knew how to do. Did you feel confident about it? Or, or I think really what I want to know is if you had that like, can I make it? Am I good enough to make it? Which mm-hmm. I think is such a false like... Mm-hmm premise for such yes. a young person but like how did you negotiate that feeling if if you had it or was it kind of yeah. just like this is what I'm doing I think when I was really young and you know you don't have your head full of all those like that's ridiculous you can't do that yeah. I really wanted to be a famous singer yeah um you know you watch the famous singers and you're and they're performing and the music is incredible yeah I longed for that and then um once I got through college and was an adult and all I was doing was teaching voice mm-hmm. lessons and part-time working at a bank full-time, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started feeling that like I'm getting older, I'm 26 and Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I decided I was going to make a CD cause I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And, and that's usually what people do is they like, go to the studio, spend thousands of dollars and they're and this not before you were producing. Yes. Okay, great. Two stories in one. Yes, it yeah. is. It's, this is part of the journey. So really I went into music in college because there was nothing else like that interest interested me or that I thought I could even do. Yeah. But I really wasn't that great of a singer. I mean, I got a couple of leads yeah. here and there in the musicals. Well, it's so hard like I I'm sure you also talk about this with your students like music and and art in general you have to be so good to even start mm-hmm. which is not the same I mean when you do your very first day of your bachelor's degree and you want to go to med school you don't have to be like a a burgeoning surgeon <laughs> right you know like it's just you you don't have to know anything yeah about the thing you want to eventually do but mm-hmm. you know if the fact that you feel like you have to say at age 18, I wasn't really a good singer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like what are we supposed to be great at at 18? Right. But music does like have that expectation Uh because youth is such a thing. Yes. And probably all kinds of art. Yes. And maybe also like computer programming. I, and you know, especially with the, the shows like American Idol and the voice where the younger they are, the more, more impressed. Yes, yeah. everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, she's only sixteen. And um, but that is, it's that too is an illusion, you know. Yeah. Um, the that's not the norm. And but also, 
we've we've had enough time with those shows now to see that just because they were 16 and amazing doesn't Doesn't mean mean anything. anything. They can have, you know, a little bump in their social media, but... And then it's gone. If they don't have other skills or other things lined up and their life together, then they're they're probably going to go back to whatever they were doing before. Mm -hmm. But anyway, where were we? We were talking about how you were started. You wanted to record an album. Yeah. So I was done with college. Um, I didn't finish my degree. Um, I just dropped out, almost done in music education. Is that also because you felt like I'm not that good at this? Like, was it kind of wrapped up in that same thing? Really? It was just that I life took over and Mm -hmm. I, got really stressed and busy and was going through some hard things and I had to quit so I could work um, more hours. Mm. Um, But then I turned around and spent lots of money on (laughs) an album. Yeah. An album. (laughs) Man. So, but it wasn't until um, I started working with another producer. I watched him probably for a good few years, just looking over his shoulder while he created guitar, bass, drums, all the instrumentation. I didn't know anything about that stuff. Yeah. I really never paid attention to it. As a singer, I was just listening to the vocals. Did you see it at that point as like something that you could do? Oh, yes. Okay. You were curious, like you were looking over the shoulder like, yeah, I was like, I want to do that because again, that control... Mm-hmm. I, I saw it as a way for me to take what I hear in my head with my own songs, because yeah. I was writing songs yeah. all, you know, through all these years. What I hear in my head for my own songs, I can do yeah. on that computer. I just needed to learn how to do it. Yeah. And it took it took a lot of time. Yeah. Well, it's like they say, 10,000 hours. And yes, that's, that's real, you know, <laughs> for real. Good shortcuts for any of those skills. Exactly. That's great. I. Do you, is there anything else you want to say about like those kind of, like what was going on in like your mind and your heart in those like transition times where you're kind of thinking like, I know that music is the place I need to be, but like, I can't see like exactly how. Yeah. You know, like how you survived for me since I'm, how old am I now? 40. I'll be turning 48 in just a few weeks. And it's a great number wow, divisible that by is, many things. It's crazy to me <laughs> because you feel, you know, in your brain, you still feel like a 30-year-old. But it has taken me all of these years to finally feel like everything that I learned, everything that I struggled mm. with, my entire musical creative journey has led me to this, to what wow. I'm doing right now. Yeah, And it took that much time for me, but that's, I think, partly because in my earlier days, we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the tools. Yeah. But now, you know, a 15 or 12 year old has a laptop and yeah. garage band and can put music together. I would have been one of those kids. Yeah, absolutely. By the time I was 20, I would have been making really productions. Good at it. Yeah. So um, it just took me a long time because of the time period that I grew up in. But nevertheless, I would say that it's like, it's like anything in life. You can always look back and go, man, that sucked. Why did I go through that? Mm. Or I wasted 10 years doing blah, 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 whatever. You cannot go back and change the past, but you can say, okay, where I am right now, if I'm happy with where I'm at right now, why look back and regret anything? Yeah. And I totally, that's how I feel. Yeah. It's like, Right now, I feel like all those years as a voice teacher and a songwriting coach and a singer-songwriter myself have helped me become a better producer, Yeah, which is 
the artists that work with me love working with me because I come you from that background. It. Yeah. So I talk about that with my students sometimes. I, I I always try to get them into like recording. Like you you need to get this experience before you're like 20. Like mm-hmm. you need to you should start earlier so that your first recording experience isn't like what and it's yes. too late. Yes. Um and very few of them follow up on it. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm still trying to think of ways to con- to convince my students about how important that is. But I do tell them like if you can find a producer who is a singer that can change everything for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's very valuable. I think the thing I'm wondering more about that time is like, I'm obsessed with resilience. Like mm-hmm. how do we like, cause when you talk to people who've like made it and like, mm, that can mean so many things. I think it's easy for people on the outside to think that you've made it because every door opens, which of mm-hmm. course is not at all true. Yeah. Um, and I think it's more like, you make it by having something that allows you to keep like crashing down new doors, you know? Yes. Oh, so, so I think I'm so. more curious, like when all of these things are happening, you're like, you've started school and it's not like, it's maybe not going that well in terms of like, it's not the right program for you mm-hmm. ultimately. Right. Do you think that's, yeah, I went back and um, to college and finished the gr- degree just because I, hated not having it and ended up finishing it in vocal performance. But it did me, it really didn't do any good. Um, Nobody cares if I have a degree or not, honestly, in my line of work, but it was for my own gratification. But um, the resiliency for me, just, I'm telling you, even just the past, um, since I began producing independently, um, I would probably check bank job boards about once a week because being an independent, you know, require depending on art for my living is so stressful. And anytime we were going through, um, you know, personal or financial issues, I wanted that stability of the easy day job, Mm -hmm. but I knew my soul would just Mm. die. Yeah. (laughs) I would just not be able to I wouldn't be able to go every single day to a job that I don't care about. Yeah. And so I just had to push through. It was resilient. It was just survival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it was very hard, but I'll tell you my worst enemy has always been my own you know, my own voices yeah. in my head. Those limiting beliefs that especially yeah. in my field where it's such a male dominated, yeah. you know, why would anyone want to hire you? You're a woman, you don't really know what you're doing. You're yeah. kind of faking it. That imposter yeah. syndrome yeah. is very, very huge. And, um, you know, no doors were never open for me. I just yeah. had to keep powering through, but it was my love for being creative yeah. that just forced that to happen. Do you think that that so the way that you experienced it was like, there's no other choice. Like it mm-hmm. didn't feel like resiliency. It just felt like yeah. there's nothing to fall back on because there's every option is bad besides just, <laughs> yes. is, is that what you're saying? Yes. So do you think that that, like that thing is like something significant? Like, do you think it's like a personality type, <laughs> you know, like, and there's no answer, but I do wonder about these things. Like, and I, and I maybe, you know, I'm, I'm th- I think about it in terms of, my students, I think about it in terms of some people that I went to college with who 
you know, there are people who I feel like were so much better than me mm-hmm. who aren't doing music anymore, you know, and I just wonder like, what is it? Like, what is the thing? I think, you know what I think it is? It's having a backup plan is bad. Yeah. Even though <laughs> logic would tell you you should. Yeah. But if you, if you, like you said, there was just no other option. Sure. There were other options. I mean, I, I, there, I'm a capable person. Yeah. I could certainly get a job anywhere really. Yeah. Um, but it, I would be devastatingly unhappy yeah. if I wasn't creating and working with people. I love working with creatives. Mm-hmm. And um, so it wasn't that I couldn't, it just, I would be unhappy. Yeah. And I think not having an easy default has been the thing that's pushed me forward. It forces you to kind of like be scrappy and yeah. sort of like, so when I talk to options are there? artists who are like, you know, I'll, I'll have this backup plan, you know, med school or whatever, you yeah. know, there are other that's college so funny. Your backup is med school. I, <laughs> I have so many students who say med school too. They're like, I'll be a professional singer or med school. And I, I'm always like, like, wait, you've these, the two hardest things like yeah. you no. Yes. And, but the thing <laughs> is that that backup plan will always look more appealing Yeah, because being an independent artist or a creative as that is your business. That means building a business. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen the way it does in the movies. You yeah. know, you really have to work hard at it. You have to build it. And so the backup plan will always look easier. Yeah. Yeah. And and then before you know it, 10 years go by, 15 years yeah. go by, and you're like, wow, I gave it up. Yeah. That's hard. That's mm-hmm. hard stuff. It is. It's very hard. Yeah. I, re- I reflect on that like probably at least a few times a week, just thinking like, <laughs> what is the thing? And, you know, I don't know, because I, I feel the same. I still think about that, like, especially just like watching Andrew, my husband, have one of those nine to five jobs that has great benefits uh-huh. and where like you're getting feedback and like a one-on-one with your boss, like once a week being like, you're doing great at these things. Like, how about these goals? Like never having to have that kind of like long-term, you know, like yeah. that existential, like, what is it that I'm doing? You know what you're doing. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm like, Oh, do I want that? And I always think like, I think, I only think through it for like such a short amount of time. And then I'm like, I would hate it. I would be so bad at it. Mm-hmm. I would, I would just come to work a little bit later. I would just like, <laughs> my brain would just get a little bit more like whatever. Yeah. Whereas like, I don't know. I feel like the longer that I do this kind of job, I get tired, but my brain gets like sharper. My yeah. brain gets more like, all right, this isn't working. What else can we try? Mm-hmm. Like what other resources are there? But I do still sometimes, I just wonder like, am I still going to be like having this resiliency in 10 years? Mm-hmm. Like what am I going to feel like in 15 years? Yeah. Um, but I mean, when it comes down to it, like we're going to find out because I don't <laughs> think switching is like a thing that's <laughs> viable make, for me make either. Any sense. I know. Yeah. And I mean, the problem is with me, my struggle always was my day job that I had for years, I was really good at it. Mm. And I could go back and I was always in um, kind of operations management in banks, you know, so a good career for anybody. Yeah. Um, So that I guess you could say is kind of a plan B, but 
I also feel in my field, especially in the production side, I still have so much growing to do. Yeah. That every single day I'm working really hard to get better and better and better. And without other career, you figure it out. And yeah. It's you're like, bored. well, okay, now it's just trying to manage yes. employees yeah. and, and the day to day tasks, mm. but you're not really you're pushing totally yourself. Right. That's really what it comes down to. If you had some other like non art job that like was really creative, then maybe that would be something, but what even, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were recording your album. You kind of, I think you like, you kind of like stopped talking about that and yeah. you don't have to talk about it, but I just want to make sure I understand you. Your first step was like, I'm going to record. Cause mm-hmm. that seems like what people do. Mm-hmm. And then watching the producer, you were like, okay. Is so that- it was actually not that producer. Okay. I recorded this album and it was done and I was not very proud of it because I felt like I was not my best self in the mm. studio. Mm. I was nervous. I didn't know anything about putting music together. Yeah. So I was dependent on other people. And then I started going out and performing to support the album and sell it. And I suck performing live. I'm not kidding you, but it's... <laughs> I've seen you perform live. Well, with other people, like in yeah. a band and I'm a background singer, mm. great. But yeah. as a soloist, I do not like being the center of attention. Yeah. My nerves take get the better of me, and then I sound like someone who doesn't really know how to sing because mm-hmm. my voice is all shaky. Yeah, that adrenaline does a trip on oh, your oh yeah on your larynx. Yes, and so, your diaphragm <laughs> and everything. I yeah, that's exactly what would happen. Is I'd have no no air support, and so I realized, um, wow, I cannot really be a singer. But and that that was probably that not true because yeah. probably I just needed to work at it. Yes. Yes, that was definitely not true. Right. That was that was 100% not true. Mm-hmm. But it, it was such a blow to yeah. my ego. And having a product that I wasn't super happy about, um, it wasn't until later where I met, um, I was in a band with my sister in California, and the guitar player was also a producer. Okay. And I started just working with him, okay. watching him produce, and we started co-producing together where I was doing the vocalist work, all the songwriting and the coaching with the vocals. Yeah. And then I started recording the vocals and then editing the vocals. Yeah. But all the while cool. over probably a 10 year period, I was watching him. Yes. I was, how are you doing? How are you making those drums? And he was super generous and just letting me watch and coaching me, mentoring me. So I really felt like, um, that type of technical uh, road, I really needed someone who could yeah. walk, you know, coach me through that yeah, and yeah, mentor yeah. me. So I would not be where I am today without that mentorship for sure. That's awesome. That's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then what? Well, then I moved back to Utah and opened the studio of Fox Fox Studios and I started, um, you know, coaching, of course. Yeah. But also producing and when recording. When was that? Like what year? Um, 2011. Really? Yeah. So I moved here in 2012. Yeah. It was so, like. Yeah. We came here at the same time. Uh-huh. I felt like when I moved here, like, cause you, I mean, I reached out to you like right after I moved here. Yeah. You were like the first musician that I met, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even remember what we were talking about. I think I just felt like I need a community here. Yeah. Um, but, uh. But I remember like just looking around and like finding your website and being like, 
wow, this is amazing. <laughs> she's being so creative. She's doing so many. This isn't like a voice coach. You know, this uh -huh. is this isn't like this typical like this isn't the kind of voice lessons that I had. You know, yeah. I felt like this is something really I I just admired it. Yeah. So that's amazing that you did all that in a year. That's crazy. Well, I had um, the producer I worked with in San Diego, we had built a production company together and I was co-producing. So for a number of years and when I came here and started my own studio, I really felt like I already had a catalog of things that I could show based on yeah. my work with him. So it wasn't like, okay, in a year I got all this together. It was, yeah. it was like, I finally branched off on my own. You finally kind of mm -hmm. just executed this thing that had been. Exactly. Branded growing. myself as an individual instead of with that company. I so. love Vox Vox too. Like, oh, gosh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks. What do it, you think about it? I don't it? even know where it came from. I just, you know, Vox means voice yeah. in Latin and, um, Fox, I think I came up with that back when I was, you know, 28 and thinking that I was cute. So that was, I came up with the email address yeah. first. Yeah. And then it was just not till years later where I was like, that's going to be my studio name. I like it. I mean, I know what you mean. There's like something kind of young about it, uh -huh. but I feel like that's your clientele too. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't see it as like, you're calling yourself like the Vox Fox. <laughs> I mean, maybe like that's part of, that's like something, uh -huh. but like, I, I see this brand as like, it's more like it speaks to like your, the product. Yeah. I think I, I, I well, like it. The way I approach all of my productions the vocals are the most important thing. Yeah. And so whether you're, you know, a 50 year old guy or a 16 year old girl, your voice is going to be foxy. Yeah. <laughs> I just made that That's, up. Well, really though. I mean, well, and I think maybe another thing is like, it's just kind of like unabashedly feminine maybe in mm -hmm. a way that I think is like, yeah, just say it like, yeah. yes, this my, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm a woman and like, I think in these ways, not that, yeah. not, not at all that like it's, there's some way that women think, but I think sometimes like, I don't know, sometimes I find that like when women are in like male driven fields, there's such a pressure or a tendency to like assimilate into like masculinity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, like, I don't think it's binary in any mm -hmm. way, but, um, but I think just saying, like, just using this word fox that, like, does have sort of a feminine yeah. connotation, I think it's great for a teacher. Also, it's fun. Mm -hmm. Also, it's youthful. Like, do we have to take everything so seriously? Do we, <laughs> like, I know looking at that, that you're not going to be a teacher that's going to be like, this is the vowel <laughs> and this is the only vowel. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, we have fun. It's there's a there's there are many clues in the yeah. brand yeah. that like it's not going to be your grandma's studio. It's actually funny because for a while I've I felt like maybe I should change it and make it more gender more, neutral yeah, or, or more like serious. Yeah, or yeah. Something. But you know, I finally said, you know what? No, I'm going to embrace it because it's. I mean, I used to have it on my driver's or the license plate used to say Vox yeah. Vox before my studio was ever launched. It was just kind of my little name yeah. and no, I'm going to embrace it and I'm yeah. going to embrace that. I, 
am a different type of producer yeah. because I'm a woman. Yeah. Not just like, sorry, I'm a woman, but yeah. I am a woman. And guess yeah. what? That means, and I'm a singer. Yeah. And so your vocals are the highlight of your production. Yeah. So. I la- I'm into it. Cool. Yeah. I had some, I had a couple of people give me negative feedback when I made my new website. Really? Um, because it, the letters are pink. Oh, interesting. And I was like, sorry. Really? My studio is also pink. Uh-huh. I <laughs> it's like also pink. my favorite color. And also it, ref- it reflects a bit my personality. You know? and, oh my gosh. That, oh, that is, that makes me really mad actually. Because. It made me mad too. <laughs> first of all, it's you. Yeah. Right. And if like, they know you, I mean. Like, why like, would it do me any good to like fracture my brand? Right. Like it. I like pink. Like, do you think that people are going to like hire me because the lettering is gray and then get here and like not realize quickly that like I would have preferred the lettering pink? (laughs) It's it's just, you know, they're going to figure out. Yeah, they're going to figure it out. I'm a pink girl. I know. And in my studio, I just put some colored lighting in mine. I can make it any color I want. And I actually ended up settling on purple and pink. I... I don't even like purple and pink clothes, but I cool love my light. studio yeah. reflecting that purple pink color and my yeah. my logo is purple and I'm like I love it. Yeah. It's embracing that it's that side of me. Like I love the philosophy that like at the bare minimum you should like the stuff you make. Mm-hmm. And that includes your website and that includes your studio and like no one's going to spend more time looking at that website than you. Right. No one's going to spend more time in your studio than you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. That is hilarious. <laughs> I have to say. So, okay. So you started your studio and then, I mean, the, so, okay. We talked about like your, the, the evolution of like a lot of things. Um, maybe this is the portion where like we can talk as much or as little as you want about like, the logistics, like, do you have any thoughts or any experiences you want to share about like money, advertising, like all of those kind of like, you know, web design, like all of those sort of like logistical things Mm -hmm. that are like a necessary evil or could be really fulfilling and exciting to you? You know, it is, it is fulfilling and exciting, especially when you feel like it's a reflection of who you are. And I just, redid my website a few years ago, um, hired a good friend of mine who's also a creative. And I just told him, I, I said, I want it clean, but feminine. And I didn't know what that meant because I'm not a visually creative person. Yeah. I, I have no idea how to verbalize what I want other than that. And, yeah. and he just did a great job. And when you go there, it is, it's clean. And yeah. yet you can still sense the femininity. Yeah. Um, but um, most importantly, it's not cluttered with a bunch of yeah. stuff. And I've over the years have also cleaned it up and, and, um, boy, it's your calling card. You yeah. know, it's such a reflect. It's, it's the first thing that people are going to see of you. First of all, I, yeah. I think most people are, you know, Googling, you know, singers or artists or studios or what have you. Um, so that, that is, probably the most important thing you can do. And then I also have a, um, a page. It took me a while to figure out how I wanted to have my music displayed on my website yeah. because I have so, I do so many different so many things. Different things yeah. And I used to have, you know, 
all of those things in one playlist, which was confusing. Mm. But now I've broken it down into, okay, here's original productions. Here's cover reinventions. Here's exact replication covers, which are, you know, like you try to make the song sound exactly like the original. And then here's jingles. And and so I've broken it down. So whatever someone's looking for, they can go to that page and click around. Great. So while we're kind of talking about that, can you just like list um, all of the like ways that you have made and make money or even like could make, like mm-hmm. if there's a skill that you're like, I could definitely charge for this, but I haven't really spent time like marketing it. Just like oh, a, a yeah. list. I, so of course teaching um, vocals and then also songwriting. And I've started teaching production yeah. over the past couple of years I as well. take lessons from you. <laughs> I love it. Because Probably really need to. It's so fun, but I, not for everybody. I think some people yeah. think they might want to do it. And then they're like, okay, no. I'll just, I'll just sing or write. Yeah. Um, I just want to be able to like produce my own demos. mm -hmm. Wait, Mm -hmm. there's such a high demand for content, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. And if you need to like hire someone every time you make content, that's even like not that important to you. It's just like keeping the conversation going. Mm -hmm. You will run out of money. Yes. I'd rather be able to hire great people and spend more money on the stuff that I really care about. Yeah. Anyway, like the records and yeah. Um, Anyway, let's see. Um, okay, then then so I you teach all kind yeah several things, and then um, I do. So I used to say, yeah, I'm a recording studio. So people would just say they'd come by yeah, and throw up a mic. Pay, and, it's like a rental. They can pay. Yeah, they can rent your space. I I'm moving away from that because I'm not. I think there's a lot of places you can go where yeah. you just pay the hourly and they just hit record. Yeah. And I'm just not that person. It, it's not fun for me. Yeah. And I, I just feel like, I guess maybe it is my creative yeah, <laughs> brain that's like, I need to create. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. want to just hit record. Um, but nevertheless, you have the equipment uh-huh. and you have the space. And those are, I mean, I think I'm just saying this more like narratively, like for the hypothetical audience mm-hmm. um, of this of this conversation. Um I think it is important to think like, what are my resources? So maybe Mm -hmm. if there was a time when you were like sick or broke your arm or whatever, something Mm -hmm. or out of the country, you know, (laughs) I mean, you, you have built, you have amassed this, these physical things that you can make money from. Yeah. So, okay. So Mm -hmm. at some point you did engineer, like just, just engineering, right? Mm -hmm. Not so much anymore. I mean, I do so much engineering with the the production. So yeah, in conjunction with, but that's really my favorite thing to do is to, um, a singer songwriter sends me a phone voice memo of them singing and playing a song and, and then I build it. I just make it something and layer by layer. Um, Anyway, on the the um, conversation of how do I capitalize on that and yeah. make money, that that can be tricky because um, trading hours for money is not always. Um, I don't know how to say it. It's not always conducive to creativity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That is exactly it. And so a lot of I think that's part of why I don't like to do the let me just hit record yeah. because that's all I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and again, my creative self is like, I want to play. Um, 
But when I produce a song, I usually just charge a flat fee and say, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. We can start one direction and we can change our mind and try something new and it won't change how much you pay me. Yeah. And I love working that way, I guess, because of that. It is, it's, it, I feel like we're making decisions based on what's serving the purpose of the song and not not how much it's costing. Yeah. I would never hire a producer who did it hourly because mm-hmm. I then I feel like, yeah, there's no you, there's no way that you are going to care about it. Right. Um, I think it's very telling. Like it, it tells me they don't want to play. I, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think so, too. And and a lot of them have like, well, you can only make, you know, after I send you this mix, you can only make three changes. Yeah. And I cannot. Yeah. Well, I would never as an artist, I would feel so limited. Yeah. But then as being myself, I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. If I feel like they are making compromises on their art, I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I want it to be so perfect for them. Yeah. Can we break down production? So like, I mean, I'm just trying, I like, I, I want to kill so many birds with so few stones with this podcast, <laughs> but one thing I like to just think like, you know, again, people kind of see like producer and they think it's one thing but of mm-hmm. course it's not so are there like sub categories of like you know maybe even just like you can you can produce just the vocals mm-hmm. for like a track or do you do any of like building up like um tracks that people are going to play to live yes as like a mm-hmm. more like a service for like a, a party band you mm-hmm. you do that for no i do limits, that for right? no limits yeah. yeah do that regularly would you call that production too I do. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. your, um, I think production is just layering sounds together yeah. for the purpose of a song. Yeah. Um, what, what else, anything, any other like things we could put a name on of like, this is a slightly different application of these skills. Um, in terms of the production. Yeah. Cause you talked about teaching. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, well, so you know, there's there's kind of a market for um, putting out content as an instructor. Oh yeah, and I am always trying to sneak that in. Yeah, and I can't because yeah. first of all, I hate myself on video, <laughs> and second of all, I don't know how to edit videos very quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing I'm sure you would get faster yes. at if you did it, but I just don't have the time to yeah. invest in. So that's a thing that like you could do, and that's maybe on the horizon of like. Yeah. Okay. What about writing? When you were in California, San Diego, right? Mm-hmm. You were getting paid to do a lot of songwriting right um yeah I was well I was writing um original material and producing it with a co-producer I still do that now okay and um it's what I do when I have downtimes when I'm um not working on other people's music there's a little lull guess what I have this song that I have half written I'll finish it but I always write for the purpose of um sync placements which is um, syncing music with film and TV. Yeah. It's such a great, it's, it's a way to put your little songs out there that will earn money for you for years to come. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I, I do that kind of on the side. I, I've been trying to do it more, but, um, I honestly have found that I love working with artists on, you know, EPs that if, 
artists come to me and say, hey, I want you to produce my album or a few singles, I just can't resist. Yeah. So, Do you do any like artist development, like either formally or informally? Informally, I would say, yeah. um, yes. Anybody who's willing to <laughs> to let me, I, I try to help them find their sound yeah. and write songs that are really... It, you would you would be surprised, I think, if you heard how many singer songwriters I've met that when they sing someone else's song that really challenges their range, they can do it. Yeah. They do it, but when they write their own songs, they write their melodies in these mm-hmm. teeny little boxes that mm-hmm. that are safe. Yeah, and so I I I love working with artists and just helping them branch out of their little safe boxes yeah. as a writer, not just melodically but lyrically too. Yeah. Like let's or stylistically maybe. Yeah, let's like I take struggle some, with that. Personally. Take some chances, really. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm very exploratory with melodies and chords and lyrics, <laughs> but stylistically, I'm pretty good at mimicking. I really have a hard time thinking myself like what stylistic options do I have in like the actual vocal delivery? Mm-hmm. That's something that in my own music, like I can, I can execute, I can copy other people's things, but when it's a melody I've never heard someone else do, mm-hmm. especially if it's kind of angular and weird, sometimes I think like, is there a better way to stylize this or like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's something, that's something I struggle with. And yeah. And I, sometimes I, I love like I doing that. There's a lot of times where I can't really, I probably would not be able to sing that riff, but I can kind of point a singer yeah. in a direction like, what about something like, you know, yeah. and kind of map it out in slow yeah. motion for them. And then they they take it and they grab it and they're like, oh, yeah. And then their voice kind of envelops it. Like they become, yeah. they shape it into yeah. what their voice wants to do, yeah, which yeah, is so yeah. cool. That is awesome. And then also you've you've been paid to do piano performance in the band mm-hmm. and background vocals. Yeah. Those are things, even if they're yeah. things that you're kind of like, Bleh. yeah, I don't, I don't tour anymore, but that was definitely a big thing yeah. for a while for me. So it, as soon as I got married and had four stepkids, you know, I couldn't be gone every weekend anymore. Yeah. That was really why I, I decided to, to quit. Is there anything else you want to talk about in these, like this kind of middle portion that's like the hustle, the logistics before we kind of get into like your inner wrestles oh um trying to think the hustle or like or like lessons that you've learned about like just I don't know I mean I think I just ask in case you're like yes I uh-huh. have these thoughts but if not it's I like, don't think so okay I, if something comes to me I'll I'll bring it up but um so I I feel I've really it's been interesting to me when since I've done I've been doing this podcast I think I'm not good at keeping track of how many interviews I've done. It's on my computer, but I've noticed there's like a distinct difference between when I interview people I've met before and when I interview people that are brand new. Mm-hmm. And I really, I find that I really enjoy interviewing people that I have like a little context with. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying all of this as a preface to say like, I'm sort of inclined to like ask fewer like questions and just like, I mean, in terms of like, either like I'm interested I would be if we were just at lunch I would want to talk with you about like uh how do you feel about like our music community here in Utah or in the country or in the world um how do you feel about just like the state of like this business 
Um, and ha- like, how do you, what are, what is scary about it? What's exciting about it? Um, I want to talk with you about like, how are you resilient? What's vulnerable? Like what's kind of scary? What are you hopeful about? Um, is there anything that's like been on your mind recently or anything that you just feel like, you know, you've been philosophizing about mm-hmm. and like, um, I don't want to like box you. Yeah. So. I know there's so much in I all can, of that right if there. If you want me to, but um. <laughs> well, first of all, um, I find myself scared a lot about the music industry just because of like what we were talking about with, um, the way music is consumed now mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. different. Um, I, I do have, so I, I have a project that I'm working on right now, kind of going back to finding ways to, you know, capitalize or monetize. Yeah. Um, I've worked with so many teenagers since, since the time I started um, teaching, which has been getting close to 30 years now. Wow. And all varying degrees of commitment and, and talent level, I suppose you could say. But without fail, if they are ready to take it seriously, the parents are kind of like, what? They're blindsided. Mm-hmm. They really don't know what to do. They have their own careers. Yeah. And most of the time they have no knowledge about really the behind the curtains look at the music industry. Yeah. And so I have been working on putting together basically training material, yeah. support for That's parents great. of kids Can that want to pursue. Have my students' parents yes. buy those trainings from you? <laughs> I'm working on them right now. Seriously, I I've been I just like two days ago was thinking like I need to like put together a meeting like mm-hmm. a even just like a Q and A with parents because I feel this as well like. Mm-hmm. I, I have a couple of students right now who are like seniors or just graduated who mm-hmm. like really need to be like, they, they're ready. They're like, they can do it. I mean, I, I think in some ways everyone can find a way that their skills fit in the music industry. P- pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. But I have some students who are like, they're like ready. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want there to be that much time between like their high school motivation and like, and you know, the parents are like, we're going on vacation all summer. We're not going to take them to audition at any school's applications. We can think about that later. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're already behind. It's already a full year behind. Yeah. Yeah. I feel burdened by this as well. Yeah. Like every day that you don't like care about this, opportunities like go away mm-hmm. from your child. And and the child, they they start to get caught up in their own lives as adults especially at that time like right after high school they get their job and then they get a boyfriend and then oh my gosh a couple years later they're getting married and and then they end up being one of those stories of somebody who like gave it up for whatever reason because it just didn't come together and they were thinking it would happen if it was meant to happen Mm -hmm. which is the most ridiculous Mm -hmm. thing anyone can say so I yeah I've I've spent years being frustrated and there's kind of this limbo period between uh, um, when an artist, even if they have product, like let's say they've put together an album or a series of, of singles, but they're not making any income because money doesn't 
just start flowing in as soon as you put money on music on Spotify, believe it or not. Um, Actually, you might be lucky if you get 20 bucks in a month. Mm -hmm. So um, there's this limbo period between I've got my music out and I'm happy with it and the, you know, major I'm making, you know, I'm touring and I'm making a real income from my music. There's that limbo period where managers are not interested in you as an artist. Um, yeah. Agents have a hard time booking you. So you're the kid, the artist, the parents, they're all kind of like, why is, what do we do? And yeah. all of a sudden they're having to be promoters Yeah, and they have to know everything about marketing Mm. and the kid is supposed to do it because they're supposed to participate in the building of their business and they don't know anything about marketing or promotion or even how the music business works. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on putting together something for that limbo period. That's amazing. To navigate, help people navigate that. that. That's awesome. Um, do you want to say anything else about like just the, the state of affairs in, in music and like, you know, we can talk about like these businessy things, but also like, I don't know. I love like just talking about like what's happening with like our, I like maybe things like, are we as a culture more supportive of each other as musicians? Are we more like competitive? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I spend a lot of time like just thinking about that kind of thing. Is there anything kind of in that sort of more, social type of a like social social interaction in the music industry opposed to like business interaction Mm -hmm. or like the fact that they're so blurred I think that's the part that is so scary is that I don't know if scary is the right word it's um you know social media and the online it that is all pretend and an artist that gets, you know, they post a little one minute cover on Instagram and they can get thousands and thousands of new followers every time they do that. Mm. And they're, it looks like they're building this fan base, Mm. but really Mm. what they're doing is just casual clickers Mm. that are just like, Oh, I love that girl's voice click. And then they don't think about her again. Yeah. Um, how to actually get your music to stand out get you as an artist to stand out but then get them to follow you like yeah. in real life not just follow you on Instagram but yeah. go to your website look at your merchandise when is she performing I want to go yeah. watch her because I love her voice so much yeah. the real fans I think that's the absolute key to being successful yeah. today and the hardest thing to do because there is so much content being thrown out everybody all the time. Yeah. And it's so easy to just click and follow and put little heart emojis and I love you yeah. so much. Um, but you know, to actually buy a concert ticket yeah. that takes real yeah. fan dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about like, um, the relationship between like the, the actual relationship between artists and, promoters, agents, managers, labels, um, like where I think maybe really the thing I'm interested in is like, it's become, I think, I mean, I'm not that old. And when I was younger, I was not that I was less plugged in, um, because we didn't have the internet. And also (laughs) my parents weren't involved and I lived in a city where there wasn't a ton of, like, I just wasn't aware, but I feel like there was more humanity in music 
mm-hmm. in like the seventies mm-hmm. in terms of like, I watch documentaries and I just think like that is not happening now Right, where there's like, Hey, I'm your manager. I care about you. Yeah. Hey, I'm your label. I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have thoughts about like the sustainability of like how things are now or what artists can do to like kind of maintain their humanity or boundaries? Yeah. Oh, I do have a lot of thoughts about this. It's kind of the wild west right now. Yeah. Um, first of all, it is, there are independent labels. I'm doing the air quotes, independent labels, um, in mass right now. And they are, they call themselves a label and artists get that word in their head and they think that means success. Yeah. But really what they are is, um, a company or could even just be an individual that is maybe going to front money, but maybe not. I think in a lot of cases, they're still not even fronting money for an artist. Yeah. Um, they're just saying, Hey, if you pay us, you know, $500 a month, we'll, get your songs recorded. We will put some promotion into you and we'll release your, your music on all the platforms. And Oh, by the way, we want to own all of your publishing. Yeah. And you know, to a songwriter, singer songwriter, they're like, Oh, okay. Well, that's exactly what they were doing back in the days before artists had any knowledge of what they were giving away. You hear all these horror stories of, of, you know, Tom Petty or, you know, these huge bands that gave away their publishing, um, and the master rights so that they were earning just kind of pennies on everything. And the label was making millions and artists are still doing that. Yeah. There's still, but not only are they giving away the publishing, they're also paying the label. Yeah. Upfront money. Oh, it makes me like feel nauseous. Yeah, it, it does but me too. I think it happens. I mean, and I'm, I'm saying this as like a person who is, you know, I, I just recorded an album and I'm trying to be like so very careful about like what to do mm-hmm. with it. And, and I feel this dramatic sense of a lack of support and like a lack of, like connection, you know? And, and I mean, just even in the smallest way, like, mm-hmm. you know, a team, yes. which is just like the, it's, of course it's true. I mean, like no one else is going to care about my music as much as I'm going to care about it, but there's gotta be, you know, I feel this like, um, I don't know. I mean, like there's not a better word than dramatic. It feels dramatic to me. Yeah. Like this, this complete void. I, I went on this rant about, you know, all these little indie record labels, but that's exactly was my point was, um, how crucial it is to find real people Yeah, that you're, you're in the same room with that believe in you yeah. to do whatever they can. Even if it's yeah. your neighbor that says, I want to be you're the head of your marketing. You know, yeah. you have to have a team of real people around you. I yeah. think that has, is going to put the humanity back in music. Yeah. Um, people think will, it's not happening right now? I don't think, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of see a lot of the music industry from online, which is ironic, I think a little bit. I don't see a lot of what's actually happening. But I do see that um, people are still going to concerts. They still love to consume music, yeah. they always will. Yeah. So if that's always happening and they're always going to want to have that personal connection with an artist um, by going and seeing them on tour, then there's hope. Yeah. There's hope for us, yeah. for all creatives. Yeah. 
you started saying something before, maybe it's just gone, but about kind of like where the humanity, how we... Yeah, that, that's just it. I think is making sure that you aren't, as an artist, that you aren't buying into the hype of the online record label that yeah. promises they can sell yeah. your music and make you a star. Yeah, It's finding the people that meet you in person and love you. Yeah. And don't want anything except for maybe that 15% yeah. after you start making money. Yeah. Those are the people that are worth you investing in yeah. as an artist. Yeah. Like the music can be a commodity, but like the artist can't be mm -hmm. the thing. Like you need to see that person as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we are struggling with that. And I'm sure that's happening across mediums. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I see that. Do you see that? like trickling down to like just maybe, you know, artist to artist, like how we relate to each other? Um, I, I suppose, I think that, um, it's weird because with YouTube as YouTube is almost like its own platform. It's like collaborations are encouraged, but it's only because they benefit one another's channels. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. kind of, like is it actually from artist yeah. to artist you know are you really connecting with each other are you really supporting yeah. each other or are you just trying to kind of feed off of each yeah. other and that's tricky it is i feel like daily burdened by these questions <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> me too well, I, I, mean, I, think I think about we, a lot i think m many of us are mm -hmm. okay another thing um so we've talked a little bit about like how this industry of production is really male dominated. Um, and you know, like maybe in general art professions are so much about like how you look, how you talk, who, you know, how you present yourself. And I would say not often enough about like the actual work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that? Yeah. Um, and how, and like, just how do you, you know, it's, what do you think? I struggle with this a lot. I think it's just my own, um, insecurities and limiting beliefs, but from my perspective, um, being a woman in music production, if I see another woman that's in music production, of course, this is all online. Um, they're also a performing artist mm. and they wear belly shirts and mm. skinny jeans and are really, you know, really cute and young. And, oh, actually they don't really completely engineer and they don't mix. And, yeah. you know, they're really just kind of putting some beats together and letting someone else make it yeah. sound good. And I'm finding that someone um, like who really does the production and really does the engineering and the mixing um, as a female is probably more rare than the statistics even show. Yeah. So it, I, I find that, um, in some ways a little intimidating. It makes me feel like, am I, am I not supposed to be doing this? Mm -hmm. Which is weird. Yeah. Why, why would I think that? But Well, I think that's my point. Like, I, I don't know. I always, so I think this type of thought process maybe root is rooted for me in like, that old thing of like you're taking voice lessons from like an opera singer and they're like, well, Katy Perry's a really bad singer or something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there was definitely a time in my life when I thought like, 
oh, what this means is if I learn how to sing the way you're telling me, like I'm more valuable than Katy Perry, <laughs> you know, or something so stupid. Yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of implicit in that type of a mindset, you know, saying like, for whatever reason, like this person is like not real or like they're not, does that like, make sense? Yeah. They're, they're not legitimately a good yeah. singer. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I had this point when I was really starting to negotiate, like, cause it, it just becomes clear that like, that is not accurate. It doesn't make sense. It's like, if you tell me like, I don't need to pay attention to like what these very successful <laughs> people are doing, like, yeah. I can't trust you, but then trying to think like, is there tr any truth in what you're saying? Or, you know, so the way that I think about it now is like, if I see someone having success, I just think like they're doing something really, really well. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to think that because they're doing the one thing well that I need, that I need to care about everything they're doing. Yeah. But like there's something valuable happening here. So when we see people over and over again, and like maybe some of this is just perspective who have a lot of success, who aren't doing any of the things that you personally really value are inspired by. Mm -hmm. I think you can start to kind of feel like, wait, is this whole thing not what I thought? Mm -hmm. Is this whole thing actually a fashion contest? <laughs> is this entire <laughs> thing like something else completely? Mm -hmm. Do you ever like, is that what you mean? Like when you say like, I don't, am, am I supposed to be doing this? Yeah. It's like, I don't know why our brains are conditioned to feel like if you are not doing things exactly in a certain way, then it must be wrong. Yeah. When we're being shown over and over again, it's been proven to us so many times that as soon as someone breaks the rules, guess what? Yes. They are, yeah. you know, they have this incredible success. And so I, I have been spending the last couple of years as a producer trying to do that. Yeah. Trying to be, willing to go outside of the box and to be more yeah. creative. And that has been a little scary for me, but it's really very it's, scary. It's paying off. Yeah. I have artists that are coming to me more regularly. Like yeah. I love your production. I love what you're doing with my music. Yeah. And you, you know, you're not just doing the simple, easy little piano and strings stuff. I mean, I can do that for days, but yeah. um, I'm actually putting some creativity into it and they are loving it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I can, I can actually do some things that I've never heard before. Yeah. I'm not just imitating art anymore. I'm creating my own and, you know, maybe other, like as a singer, someone might not really, um, relate to that or like as a, a songwriter, you might not relate to that, but yeah. as a producer, I'm, I'm feeling very empowered by, mm -hmm. by that being yeah. able to be creative. I think that's great. I mean, if we start thinking that it's more important to like, I mean, I think it's even what you were saying before with like these singers who will put up a video um, and it's like, they're getting all these likes and you said, it's like, did you say it's like an illusion or it's pretend? Mm -hmm. um, I think it can be so easy in all of these businesses. I, I think any kind of art medium, if you feel like you're focusing more on like that top level, mm -hmm. like the appearance. And I mean, that can mean, like your physical appearance and your, the clothes you wear, but it can also be like, how frequently are you putting out content? Like your followers versus like 
your dollars, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, just any of the things, but I think if we can, fo- if we, if we are tempted to focus too much on like that front level stuff, mm-hmm. even if you go for that, like, you don't know how the person is getting there. You don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel the same way mm-hmm. that you feel like you make the decisions that like, allow you to like be as creative as possible that allow you to stay as interested as possible that allow you to like maximize the stuff that you are great at and then just just apply faith working on yeah. It, yeah and just hope for the best I yeah. think um it's it's frustrating because so much of the the industry is driven by major labels and they do care about those numbers yeah they really do but the point is that you know, there's only so much room at the top. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who are making a very decent, good living. Yeah. They may not be the millionaires, but they're making a good living as artists underneath that. Totally. Well, and like you said, like longevity is also a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you can have two years of like extreme mega fame, mm-hmm. maybe thanks to like a big label looking at like those numbers. Mm-hmm. But like, if you haven't, I mean, and it's not to say that there's the blame is like in one place, but you know, if, if you don't have kind of those like behind the scenes skills that we've been talking about yeah. mm-hmm. your, your minute of fame, like it burns up and there's nothing left. Um, whereas like, That is something I think about too, like in terms of like you have limited time, you have limited financial resources, you have limited creative resources and creative energy, putting them into things that you can sort of like count on a little bit more than trying to like, you know, dangle that like carrot in Mm -hmm. front of like the big, big shiny fame. If you put all of your energy into that, it might work. But it's the types of people who have longevity there, they didn't start that way. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you yeah, think that's true? I agree. There's um, about, I guess it was about eight years ago, I was at this music camp in North Carolina as a counselor. And we got to go behind the scenes um, at a concert for OAR. I don't know if you've ever heard of that band. I have not. there's like one song that I think I had ever heard of by them. Well, they have been touring successfully and had at that time had already been touring for about 20 years as a successfully touring band. And I've seen them still touring. Wow. So a 30 year touring band by now um, that hardly any, you know, you and I really don't know. Maybe we've heard a song on the adult contemporary station, but they absolutely found their fans. They are making music that those fans want to hear and they're supporting their albums with tours and making a good living. Yeah. So, and yet they're, they're not on the charts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's that middle-class artist mentality. Totally. I mean, even though like, or even if you're thinking about like, you know, Ed Sheeran, Mm -hmm. who is an anomaly in many ways, Mm -hmm. I think, like he was just hustling by himself for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know everything about Ed Sheeran, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't get the sense that his goal was to like 
get that like red hot fame. Yeah. The goal is like make music, do music, make enough money that I can keep doing music. I agree, yeah. And then like the fame is like this very lucky byproduct of like something that he was going to be doing either way. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, like I still just feel like the focus wasn't there. The focus was on like the music booking gigs, you know, figuring out this loop thing. So he's independent mm-hmm. and I don't know. I would love to hear the story of how he went from like Lego house to, um, what's that? I'm in love with your body. Shape of you. Oh, yeah. Shape of yeah. you. Which, you know, catapulted him into household name fame. Yeah. And how did he go from just like that kind of raw acoustic singer songwriter mm. to having, you know, the summer like dance yeah. hit? Yeah. I don't know, but I, I wonder how much of that was calculated and how much yeah. did he have to compromise anywhere? Or was that his ultimate goal yeah. where he was like, I'm going to do it? Yeah. I would love to hear the story. I'm sure there's... I'm sure it's out there <laughs> somewhere. We'll find it. That's our, that's our like assignment for that's the right. week. Our personal research assignment. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to talk about when, I mean, so the podcast is called artifice. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I'm thinking like, you know, the front and the back mm-hmm. and in all the ways that there's like a front and a back in like what we're doing. And it, it's everything. Yes. Everything has like the presentation and then all of the mystery behind that. Um, and it can be very personal. It can be very logistical. It can be just a narrative. Um, but is there anything else that you want to say, like in this whole family of topics? Um, I, I think that my own personal journey has really, um, come to a head over the past couple of years. And it was actually a couple of years. I was at a, a couple of years ago, I was at a, um, a workshop and, um, the woman who was giving the workshop had us go through this process of figuring out what our why was, what our purpose mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And every time you thought you landed on what the purpose was, you'd go down. Well, then why? So why do you want to make music? Well, because it makes me happy. Why? Why does it make you happy? And you just keep digging down and down and down until you get to the absolute rudimental reason why you want to make music and ultimately it you know it for most of us it comes down to I have to yeah I will die inside if I don't but the other thing that she did was had us go through the thoughts in our minds that are telling us why we can't or why we shouldn't Mm. and otherwise known as limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and it was the first time I actually wrote down those phrases that were so prevalent in my mind you shouldn't be doing this because you're a woman. You shouldn't be doing this because you're not good enough. You don't know enough technically. You don't know enough about acoustics. You really shouldn't be doing it because you're not good enough. And those, I, I wrote them down and it, it scared the crap out of me because I realized how mean my brain was being to me. Yeah. was telling me all the reasons why I shouldn't. And I was believing those things. Yeah. And as soon as I, I wrote them down, it was like I could squash them. I could say, mm. you know what? Those are not true. Yeah. And I, so I would say that exercise shifted everything for me. Wow. 
and as an artist, if anyone is feels like they're doing things to move their career forward, forward, but aren't really moving forward, it's probably because you're stopping yourself. Yeah. And to just go through that exercise, write down those thoughts in your head and squash them. Yeah. I mean, I think I haven't done that. I should. I mean, hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, I should probably. <laughs> but I have had maybe very specifically, I talk about this with performance anxiety with my students and with myself. Um, what's the story of like, what's, oh, people won't like me. Why? You know, like, and kind of getting down to like, I'm worried it's too vain or I'm worried it's attention seeking. Like maybe there's a penalty for doing it well and there's a penalty for doing it poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that I, I bet this is the same way when you say those things out loud, you go like, well, that's stupid. Yeah. (laughs) When you write it down, you're like, what? Yeah. I mean, it's probably also a little bit like, oh my gosh, why is this in me? Like, yes. why did th- why is my brain doing this? But also like once it's out and it's on paper or it's out loud and at very least it's something that you're aware of and mm-hmm. you can kind of be like, I'm doing that thing or like, there you are. You just take a little power away from it. It's that same like shame doesn't fear a light. It's just, or shame can't survive in a light. Mm-hmm. A truth, truth fears no light. If you say things out loud, then like if they are truth, then it's not a problem. And if you say things out loud and they're not true, then it's like, this is, this is weird. This doesn't quite fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The last question I ask everyone, what's your dream project or your dream collaboration? Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know. To be honest, um, I'd have to say one of my favorite artists right now is John Bellion. Do you know who he is? I just heard of him like a few days ago. And then I've been seeing billboards everywhere. (laughs) Now all of a sudden you'll see him. He's he's just one of those incredibly talented singer-songwriters. But he's also, I think he does a lot of his own production. Mm. And so probably that gig would never happen for me. Mm. But um, I love how free he is with his creativity Mm. as a writer as a singer and as a producer and you know talk about going outside of the lines or thinking outside of the box and yet still his creations you know fit my idea of perfect symmetrical pop songs Mm. I don't know how he does it that's Um, great so I would say he would be, if I had an opportunity to work with him in any way, like, do you want me to just bring you coffee? <laughs> I, I would be there in a heartbeat just to watch him work. Yeah. Great. I love it. Okay. Where can we find you? Where should we look? What do you want? Um, you can go to voxfoxstudios.com and um, check out my stuff. You can send me a message or my phone number's on there as well. Okay. Thank you so much, Becky. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.